When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners, and welcome back to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. Today, we're delving into the world of public relations, public policy, and grassroots mobilization. Our guest today brings over 25 years of extensive experience in both the policy and campaign arenas, offering a broad array of legislative, strategic, communications, and management skills that help clients build comprehensive, effective, and winning campaigns. A longtime veteran of Capitol Hill, sorry for you, (laughs) he has served as a campaign manager, political director, and advisor on some of the most high-profile races in the nation and at the National Republican Congressional Committee. He understands the legislative process literally in and out, having served as both the Congressional Chief of Staff and Chief Executive at the Free Enterprise Fund, a nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to advancing free market policies. Since founding TDS Public Affairs in 2007, he has provided strategic communications, public affairs, grassroots, and paid media services to Fortune 500 companies, trade associations, and nonprofit organizations. He has appeared on Fox News, CNN, and countless talk radio outlets across the country and has testified before Congress numerous times. So let's all please give a warm charged up studio welcome to Mr. Jim Terry, CEO and president of TDS Public Affairs. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Dana. So it's great to be with you all today. No, no, I'm glad you're here. This is this is a subject that's that's very dear to my heart, mainly because I have a long-term vision on getting in front of Congress up there. And maybe you'll be able to help me down the road with that. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, you know, long-term vision or not, uh, you know, the the sort of reality of of today is that everything is political. Um, you know, things that used to be this kind of Chinese firewall and sort of as a business owner, um, or even, you know, frankly, these days as a citizen, uh, to some degree, everything is political and everything is a communications decision. Right. No, exactly. So before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in this and why it appeals to you so much? I lost a bet. No, um, (laughs) I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, my, my 
story began in college where I was kind of on a different track and I, I sort of, uh, you know, stumbled into uh, politics. And we, we did a lot of work. Um, my uncle, um, we were in uh, doing some development work out in Southern California. And that was kind of my first exposure to government and bureaucracy and, and uh, kind of all of that stuff. And I always say that my path in politics started with the uh, emotion of they can't do that. And, uh, you know, and so got into got into political campaigns and, and stayed there for, for many years and then uh, eventually found myself in, in D.C. working for uh, congressional leadership and working as a chief staff on on, on the Hill. And, uh, you know, w- one of the things that I always tell young staffers is that at the end of the day, politics is not rocket science. It's people. Um, and. Uh, if you've got enough of them with you, you win. And if you got enough of them against you, you lose. And so, uh, you know, when you're thinking about uh, whether it's policy or, 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 or you know, uh, communication strategy or, you know, I think that's one of the things that's always sort of sort of benefited me in this business is uh, having lived in the real world and having walked a mile in those shoes and the ability to kind of understand any issue from others' perspectives. Um, and I think that's one of the things that has, you know, formed a foundation of, of our uh, capabilities. Interesting. You know, it's um, especially in this time period with what we're going through right now, um, even more so. You, you talked about there was a period in South California when you were working with your dad or whatever, and you, you questioned whether they could do things. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. And, you know, I know that there are are a ton of people out here who are questioning what's happening up in D.C. and questioning what's happening with the government. And can they really do this, you know, uh, with what's going on and and how it's going to affect us personally, not only in our personal lives, but in our business lives? You know, they've basically taken a lot of control out of our hands. Yeah, you know, that's the uh, one of the more interesting elements of sort of how the, you know, founding fathers set up the structure here, here in America is, you know, of, by, and for the people. And, you know, throughout, you know, sort of American history, there is this sort of constant tension and constant struggle. Um, and that, you know, as government, this, the size and scale and scope and the power of, of the federal government in particular has, has expanded, that, that struggle, uh, you know, tends to sort of weigh on one side of the scale more than than others but the but the reality still comes back to the ballot box in our system mm-hmm. and you know the the federal government is going to reflect either what they've been told to do or what they think they can get away with doing and mm-hmm. you know sort of the signals that get sent and you started to see some of this in um, across the country now and sort of a reaction to everything that's been going on, whether it's, you know, uh, parents stepping up and beginning to run for uh, school districts. That's a signal that says, we don't like the direction you're headed. This is not good. We're taking it back. Um, and, you know, you're seeing that, you know, in uh, the off-year elections in places like Virginia, 
where, you know, not only did you have sort of a party switch, but when you look at the numbers underneath that, there were very substantial demographic shifts. And for instance, uh, you know, the Republican candidate there in Virginia uh, won an outright majority of, of Latino voters. And that is a hugely substantial demographic shift. And, you know, I think you have to, when you envision sort of American politics, have to remember that uh, you know, by and large, most people are not ideologues. They're, they're mothers, they're fathers, they're entrepreneurs, and they want to do, do their thing. And then what happens is the government and conditions start, start you know, uh, they start feeling the pressure and start feeling the pains and they react to that and they mobilize and they that. So there's this constant sort of ebb and flow um, right. and, and series of corrections in American politics. And so I think the, the message I would with sort of leave people with out of all of that is, is that in the power of the individual is great. Um, you know, history books go back and they, they tend to kind of sanitize history and put it in this neat little box. And they say that this happened this way because it had to happen that way because the arc of justice bends towards, or the arc of history bends towards justice. But the reality is in every moment in history, uh, was contingent. It was contingent upon the decisions that were made, um, the uh, stands that people took, and and what they did. And you know, when we think about the the sort of the how the moment in history now feels so crazy, uh, there have been crazier times. You know, there was a time when hundreds of thousands of Americans were killing each other in the Civil War. Yeah. Um, and America got through that. And that history was contingent upon a relatively small group of people standing up and, and making a fight. And so I think I would hearten people to, to, to know that, you know, sort of the, the, the difference and the value that one individual and in aggregating with other individuals can can make. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree that, you know, we've we've been through situations before, you know, as far as that's concerned. Um, what uh, what I see is. Um, I agree with you. There's 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 many more people who are starting to take a stand, especially in the beginning, you know, when COVID came out and then the shots came out, you know, and things like that. You know, it was more or less, okay, the government knows what they're talking about. Let's go ahead, let's 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 follow their their directive, you know, that kind of thing. But then when it started getting to a point of um mandation, men mandating you know, and um, the, and I say OSHA getting involved and things like that because of man mandates put that way, um, you know, kind of restricting our ability to be able to do business as usual um, has where, is where people have started coming out of the woodwork and started to question. And now with all the different, you know, different variations of the shots coming out and everything, what do you think, what do you believe the end result is going to be of this? Do you think this is something that's going to continue for quite a while or what? Yeah, I, I think it's hard to, hard to really sort of tell um, what the, you know, uh, I saw an article the other day that says the end of the pandemic will not be televised. And, you know, and typically there's, you know, with pandemics and things like this, there's not some sort of big, you know, climactic, cinematic end, you know, where someone takes the podium and says, this is over. Right. Uh, they, they tend to be sort of people just wander off and peter out and, and, you know, and it becomes sort of less and less of a threat. And I think, you know, one of the distinctions we have is because of the way this has been approached, uh, sort of perpetuating 
you know, entire industries have sprung up around yeah. sort of perpetuating, you know, perpetuating this threat. Uh, but what you're seeing is, is a couple of things in this. You're seeing sort of the people, the citizenry say, look, you know, we're, we're done, right? It's time to move on. I'm, you know, I'm looking around my, my world and I'm not seeing that many of many threats. And so, uh, and even if it is a threat at some point, I got to get on with living. I can't, I can't just do this forever. And so I think you're seeing a, a shift in the citizenry in that direction. But I also think, and when you go back to kind of, you know, America and what defines it, you're starting to see institutions catch up. So in the, in the beginning, um, you know, crisis, crisis, nobody knew anything, we've got to do anything, right? And then over time, you know, a lot of data has been developed, a lot of practices have been developed, and, you know, court cases are kind of, you know, beginning to work their way through. And you're seeing sort of some of the institutions that provide the guardrails for, for things like this, uh, you know, start to assert themselves. Now, obviously, what decisions these, these institutions make, you know, Supreme Court, what they decide on things like mandates will absolutely sort of shape the path forward. Um, but, you know, whether or not, you know, they're, they end up making a decision that you agree with, you know, I think when you, you, you think about how the ability to correct that, the ability to change that, uh, the ability to influence that at any point depends upon the vitality of these institutions. And, and I think, you know, protecting these institutions is, uh, you know, of the utmost importance because it's those institutions that give, that protect the minority from the tyranny of the majority, that create the mechanisms for corrections. Um, and so I think, you know, you're starting to see this and uh, it's all, you know, there's a lot of you know, cognitive dissonance in the, in the media around all of this. And, um, it, but it, it seems to me that we're definitely, you know, trending towards uh, some sort of a realignment here. More of a balance about what's going on. Yeah, I on. think people are, yeah. people are taking, I mean, even in, you know, New York, uh, the CDC said today um, that uh, kids who have been, um, had contact exposure to, to a COVID case can stay in school if they're tested. You know, um, so that by, you know, by definition is a more um, uh, an approach that reflects a new data set that we have, right. as opposed to kind of this blind approach of advocating the same not, prescriptions yeah. that we did when we knew nothing. And so you're seeing an evolution of things. Exactly. Okay. As more and more data is coming out, as more and more people are able to make their own decisions based on that data, you know, the, the freedom <laughs> of choosing. Yeah. And ultimately, regardless of what Fauci thinks or, or any government official thinks, uh, the people will prevail in this. Yeah. Um, you know, they just will. Uh, and whatever decision the people make of how, what the approach is going to be going forward, you can issue all the mandates and guidelines you want to. Uh, but ultimately, the people are going to determine what the final outcome of this looks like. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, um, you know, and, and I've been feeling it myself as far as things starting to realign themselves. And, you know, and, and right now with moving into 2022, I think we're going to see some major, um, major movement forward, you know, as far as that's concerned, too. So I hope. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, and I think that, you know, ultimately, you know, when I say the people will decide, it's a question of which people, right? Um, and I think that is, you know, when you talk about kind of the, the government and what it's doing or not doing, mm -hmm. um, you know, by and large, it is a reflection of either 
people's proactive opinions, we want this, or it's a reflection of people's failure to participate in the process. Um, and I think, you know, what you're seeing is a lot of people sort of engaging in, in meaningful ways that, uh, you know, whichever direction it goes, left, right, right up the center, you know, will be reflective of, of you know, those people who engage in the process. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> let's move on a little bit to what it is that you do and how do you, um, um, how do you act as the voice for individuals or businesses out there in front of government? What is the process that you generally will take? Sure. We, uh, we, we're a public affairs and, and public relations firm. And so when you think about, when people think about, you know, public relations, uh, you're typically thinking about uh, talking about something you're doing, you know, telling, telling a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what we find is, is very often is that your story is most interesting to you. <laughs> and it's not necessarily as interesting to, to other people or as relevant, um, you know? And so a lot of what we do is help you define your story um, and then identify sort of how, how can we relate that story to other people so that it is, uh, so that they care enough to take whatever action it is you're, you're wanting them to take. And a lot of times, you know, what you're doing is not sufficient to even tell that story. And that's where kind of our, our public affairs side comes in too, in which we work with people to develop strategies uh, to uh, do things that are newsworthy, that do things that, uh, you know, give the media a reason to write about your story. And uh, that involves, you know, sort of the full array of, you know, of tactics and taking what you do and helping you do it in a way uh, that reflects the story you want to tell and, and creates an opportunity for the media to cover it or for uh, your targeted audiences to, to care. Okay, okay. Well, you know, um, as I stated earlier, you know, I'm on a mission uh, myself personally with my company, with Marketatomy. I originally got into this and started working with Marketatomy with micro business owners because First, I'd failed in business twice before and could not find help. Okay. And secondly, because I saw the numbers, I saw the data of the number of small businesses that were failing, you know, and, you know, what, um, what is happening out there. And I see personally these business owners who fail and how it affects them, not only themselves, you know, uh, emotionally, but their families and everything. And so Marketatomy has been developed to provide that element of support, accountability, and resource management for these micro business owners who are having to close their doors because they can't find the help that they need. But not only that, they don't know what they don't know about running a successful business. And so ultimately, that's what I'm doing right now is to bring that education and that resource management and everything to these small micro business owners. All right. But at the same time, um, what I want to do, my long term, what you call BHAG vision is I want to get in front of Congress and I want to change, you know, the 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 economy for micro business owners to the point where's before they go and get their business license or whatever, if they can show that they have gone through a program certification or whatever that taught them 
how to run a successful business, that they could be entitled to some incentives that would help them manage that business in the early, early years or months of that business. So is that something that, you know, I can't believe, I can't help but believe that if we can reduce the number of failed businesses in the U.S., that it's only going to have a positive impact on our GDP as more money is pumped into our economy and help with our labor force as more jobs are filled, you know, um, things like that. But not only that, the psyche of the business owner and ultimately their families. Because look at what COVID is doing right now, okay? We've had such a large increase of small business licenses, license applications, because people are displaced or they've decided, I'm not going back to work. I'm going to work for myself. Yeah, you know, I, I think the, um, you know, when you think about sort of the small businesses, you know, you, you, you talk about the small businesses closing, and, you know, in the, in the very early stages of, of COVID, um, you know, I had the, the privilege of participating in a program that a, that a friend of mine put together. And, and the, the, the premise of this was uh, that, you know, there was this early period when, um, you know, businesses were closed and the Fed pot had not been opened up yet. And the business were, were disallowed from working, disallowed from operating, and they were just sitting there. And this fund was was kind of developed as sort of a, you know, a small sort of bridge, just something to help. And it was, you know, it was, you know, it was like up to, you know, a couple of thousand dollars, you just apply. And if you met a few simple criteria, it was just money, it was just cash, right. Uh, but part of the application process was sending a video in. And I, I can't tell you how excruciating it was uh, to listen to uh, these people's stories, because, you know, when you think about a small business, you tend to think about it from the standpoint of paying the light bill and putting the kids through college and paying the mortgage from, from sort of a financial benefit. And what you, you know, what listening to these people, you realize is, you know, money is, is, was certainly, you know, the revenue was certainly important, but you're talking about life's works, dreams. You're talking about, you know, my husband got out of jail, and couldn't get a job. So we started this business and now he's a, you know, uh, now he's so proud of himself and his life. You're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. substantial life things that go yep. far and far and beyond, uh, you know, the, the economic implications of this. And so I think, you know, both, both economically um, as well as sort of uh, societally, you know, these small businesses are important. Uh, yeah. But, you know, when you think about it from the, from the, from particularly from a federal, federal government perspective, uh, you know, very often, you know, the the assistance is monetary, right? Oh, if yeah. you, you know, if you meet a certain criteria of, you know, if you're a female business owner or minority business owner, or, you know, or different different ways, but even that aid comes in the form of a loan, you know, something that, that, that has to be paid back um, and not necessarily in the form of valuing, incentivizing, you know, sort of education, um, you know, and I think, you know, you uh, this would be something that, you know, to me, I think you, if you're able to, to demonstrate this concept, you know, at a state level and, you know, from a, you know, from your strict constitutionalist perspective, the states as sort of the incubators of, of, of good ideas, right. uh, you know, dem- demonstrate this at, you know, the, the effectiveness of this approach at, at some sort of a state level uh, to in- incentivize uh, not only the, the, the opening of a business, but to incentivize the, <clears throat> um, 
uh, effective management of it so that it endures. Um, you know, and, and that'll have implications for the national deficit um, right. in the national debt because, you know, people that uh, have their own flourishing businesses don't require assistance, uh, you know, don't require, you know, uh, financial assistance. They, you know, right. pay for their own uh, in, insurance or, and, and food and, and whatnot. And so, you know, that, that, that kind of growth would be good for, uh, on a lot of levels. No, I, you know, I agree. And that's, you know, I am starting out on the municipal and the state level, as far as this is concerned. Like I said, it's my long-term, you know, vision to make this happen, but uh, we're at the grassroots initial part of this. And, um, you know, uh, prior to COVID, I was doing a lot of this one-on-one with seminars and things like that. Well, since that has, since COVID came in, I pivoted and took everything online. So now we have an e-learning environment that's committed only to micro small businesses so that they can get this education and, and things like that on their own, in their own time, you know, and those kind of things. But, um, I, I, you know, the number of failed businesses that we are experiencing right now, and then with the increase that we've had since COVID started, you know, it it bothers me in, in, in the fact where what's going to happen two years down the road, you know, if they don't learn the skill levels that they need, you know, what they need to know, they don't know about, you know, uh, growing their businesses. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and you know, uh, you know, I've always kind of viewed small business as, you know, uh, a series of mistakes um, and that you learn from and, uh, you know, and you learn and you grow from that. But, you know, it's also it's also difficult when, you know, when you're the, you know, you know, head cook and chief bottle washer. Right. right. Because it's, you know, in, in a micro environment, you know, the challenges are you know, are greater. But I think, you know, it's uh, you know, it's also, you know, sort of a question of what are the business owners part as well to, you know, you can create all of these, you can create all of these, you know, incentives that you want and you can have a lot of people take advantage of them, um, but still aren't really going to, you know, commit to doing the things that they need to do. And so I think that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think challenges in in the concept here from, from, from the standpoint of, you know, the appropriate role of government and, you know, but I also think this is a classic kind of an example when you think about it from a, from a communications and and a, and a strategy standpoint of, you know, selling this, not necessarily is it because it's good for the, for the small business owners. That's not why, you good know, people will necessarily support yeah. it. It'll be yeah. good for, it, it, how's it good for them? How's yeah. it good for that small business owner's, owner's neighbor? How's it good for the nation? How's it good for exactly. taxpayers? How's it good for, you know, for everyone else? And because, I mean, ultimately, when you think about, you know, government and particularly government resources, you're taking the resources of everybody Right. And ostensibly are supposed to be using those resources to the benefit of everyone. Right. And, you know, when you when you get into these things. And so I but I do think, you know, even short of, you know, financial incentives or even short of things that have uh, have cost associated, there is certainly an incentive for I mean, we do have this entire SBA, um, you know, entire bureaucracy dedicated to this kind of stuff. And so I think, you know, it's a fair question to say. Are there ways in which we could be utilizing that aggregation of knowledge that already exists and turn that towards, uh, you know, a more specific mission? Right. And again, you know, talking about SBA, you know, and I'm familiar with SBA and I know about it and worked with them before. 
Same thing with SBDC, you know, and all this other stuff. But again, we run into a situation where the programs that they offer, the, the companies that qualify have to be making their second level, their second right. stage companies. All right. They're not there to help those small micro business owners because the money's not there. Right. You know? Right. And, but we make it so easy to start a business here. Less than a hundred bucks and you can be in business. But the thing is, is we don't make it easy to stay in business. And it shouldn't be easy to survive in business. You should do the work as a business owner. If you're going to get in there, you should be doing the work. I agree. But where do they get that help to do the work? <laughs> right, right. That's what I say, you know, and, and look, I mean, um, no no amount of training is going to protect you from the, the forces of the marketplace. Right. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, and that's why you, when you think about the SBA and you think about, you know, the programs that, that they're, you know, they're offering, I think there, you know, should be opportunity um, because when, I mean, what you're, you know, what you're effectively, you know, advocating here is an educational component. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to me, that uh, would be something that, you uh, would be within the purview of the mission of, of, of that agency yeah, uh, yeah. and that, that, you know, uh, perhaps they're not effectively executing or, you know, or they're maybe focused too much on other aspects of it. But, you know, to me, uh, when you think about, you know, the proliferation of, of these small businesses, it, there's a bigger, bigger political piece to it as well. Um, you know, it's independence. It's, you know, a, a, you know, uh, diversified market share, you know, you know, when you have sort of multinational, multi-conglomerates that have, you know, massive market share, there's a lot that goes with that, a lot of control, a lot of not just economic control, but, you know, of late, you know, sort of almost governmental control of implementing policies. And so to the extent that you're, you know, proliferating, prolifer proliferating these, uh, these small, you know, small businesses, you're also creating sort of independence, um, and, uh, and I think that's important over the long haul. No, I agree. I agree. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I know, I've known from the very beginning, it's not going to be an easy journey. It's going to be a uphill battle the whole way, you know, but um, I just think that it just needs to be brought to the attention and that's all I can do, you know, so. Yeah, and you know, and look, and, and that's, uh, you know, Rome was not built in a day and yeah. it's, you know, a lot of the issues that, you know, you see at the federal level that seem like they went from zero to 60, no. you know, that just suddenly overnight appeared, you know, there were people toiling for a decade before yeah. and, and so socializing the concept and perfecting it and, and building allies. And, and uh, you know, when you're, when you're looking for significant change, it's, it's not something uh, that well, it is something that that rarely you know is is really kind of overnight. I mean, even if you look at you know um, on on some of the fronts that you know some of the changes that that happened uh, you know in the wake of, of of George Floyd, you know there were you know a lot of policies that people were trying to implement, and while that uh, tragic and and sort of outrageous event. Um, it was a catalyst for it. The foundations of all of this stuff were laid long before, long before that moment. Right, right, right. Well, um, we're coming up to the close of another program here. Tell me, tell me something. Um, 
for all of my listeners out there, if they wanted to get into the public relations or move on with some public relations, public, you know, getting in front of government or whatever, how would they go about doing that? Call us. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, what we'll, what we'll typically do with, with people is, is to, you know, kind of sit down and, you know, and first and foremost, understand what's your objective. What do you want to achieve? Um, and, you know, and then we kind of, when we start thinking through, okay, what are you working with? Um, and that kind of gives you the, the, the playing field, right? What are you working with resource wise? What are you working with environmentally? How does your issue sort of fit into the kind of the dominant narratives and the, the, um, things that are moving or saliable, uh, salient at, at the moment. And, and that's where we start sort of now crafting out kind of that, that strategy, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, the tactical piece under, underneath that is driven from all of that. And so it, you know, it starts with us understanding what it is you want to want to achieve and what your story is. And, and so whether it's, you know, and I, you know, I've kind of sort of, because of our conversation sort of locked onto this sort of issue and, and sort of big yeah. change, but this is, you know, it's not necessarily limited to that is if you're rolling out a new policy and particularly, you know, with all of this COVID stuff, people have, you know, had to roll out different policies. And I suspect many small business owners understand just how political policy decisions can be. And so, uh, you know, whether it's, it's a, you know, a new policy, a new product, whatever it is, whatever story it is you're trying to tell, we would start with understanding that story and, and identifying a strategy that moves forward from there. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, we could go on and on <laughs> on some of this stuff, but um, I think this this show, this program kind of gives us a little bit of a, a, a background or, or a base on where we can move from. And I know I'll be talking to you more about my issue and what I want to do, you know, as far as that's concerned. But do me a favor and tell our audience how they can get a hold of you. Uh, tdspublicaffairs.com is uh, probably the most efficient way to, to reach us. Uh, we have some information about you know, what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And then there's a, a contact page and our phone numbers on that website as well. Okay, great, great. Well, this has been really nice. Um, that concludes our podcast for today. And please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to us on or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning environment that's designed specifically for the micro business owner. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to marketatomy.academy. And once again, thank you, Jim Terry, for joining us today. And that's it. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dan. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.